Welcome to Learning Bible Truth. Thank God for another season. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Here to take you on a tour of the Bible by reading entire books in the Bible. Not just one scripture, full chapters. And of course, I share my commentary while we read line upon line and precept upon precept of every word of scripture. Since you won't take the time to study and show yourself approved before God, I am bringing the scriptures to you. So get your Bibles, take out pen and paper, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's grow in faith while we learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Not my will, Lord, but God's will be done by giving our lives to his son, Jesus the Christ. saints thank you for tuning in today i hope uh today is finding you and your family well may god continue to bless you and your family today we will be covering episode four like i said i didn't have to uh wait until next week i was able to fulfill this promise we will complete episode four today which includes chapters 16 17 18 19 and 20 if by any chance uh, we can cover chapter 21, we will, and we will be able to conclude this series of Second Samuel next Saturday because it has 24 chapters, but chapter 24 is um, very long. So hopefully we can complete 21. It depends on how I feel. I decided to share this episode early because once I start my day, I don't know how I would feel. So with that said, I have returned to the Amplified Study Bible to share episode four. It doesn't matter which version of the Bible you have, because in the end, we will end up in the same place. So if you have some different wordings from mine, that's okay. We will end up in the same because I share commentary as we go. So with that said, let's get this show on the road. I hope you are in 2 Samuel chapter 16, and I am reading at verse 1. When David was a little past the summit of the Mount of Olives, behold, Ziba, or Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, met him with a team of saddled donkeys. And on them were 200 loaves of bread, a hundred clusters of raisins, a hundred summer fruits, and a jug of wine. Verse 2, the king said to Ziba, why do you have these? Ziba said, the donkeys are for the king's household to ride on, the bread and summer fruit for the young men to eat, and the wine is for anyone to drink who becomes weary in the wilderness. Verse 3, then the king said, and where is your master's son, Mephibosheth? Ziba said, the king, behold, he remains in Jerusalem. For he said, today, the house of Israel will give me back the kingdom of my father. Excuse me. Verse 4, then the king said to Ziba, behold, everything that belonged to Mephibosheth is now yours. 
Um, and he just uh, gave David some misinformation on purpose. So put it this way. He, he, he lied. He deceived King David, but we're going to um, come across that when we get to it. I'll remind you. Let me read verse 4 again. Then the king said to Ziba, Behold, everything that belonged to Mephibosheth is now yours. Ziba said, I bow down in honor and gratitude. Let me find favor in your sight, O my lord the king. Verse 5. When King David came to Behirim, a man named Shimei, the son of Gera, came out from there. He was the family of Saul's household, and he was cursing continually as he came out. He was cursing David and his soldiers. Verse 6. He threw stones at David and at all the servants of King David, yet all the people and, and all the warriors remained on his right and on his left. They protected King David. Verse 7. This is what Shimei said as he cursed King David. Get out. Get out, you man of bloodshed, you worthless and useless man. Verse 8. The Lord has returned upon you all the bloodshed of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned, and the Lord has given the kingdom into the hands of Absalom, your son. Now, let me uh, share some information here. We know what this man is yelling uh, in the midst of his vent venting is not true. God never removed David as king. God is still with David and God has, hasn't given Absalom, David's son, um, anything. Absalom, David's son and David are beefing. Um, it, it's not documented why, but as we read through the previous chapters, we can understand Absalom is angry with his father for not doing anything about protecting their sister, his sister, Tamar, from Abnon, David's other son, who raped their 15-year-old sister. David was angry but did not hold him accountable. Also, Absalom killed Abnon. He did. Now, these are David's sons. Now, it appears David was not a good father. You have to remember, David was king of Israel and Judah, but he was not a priest. He was not a minister of the gospel. He was not a prophet. God spoke to David, but he never spoke through David for the people. Okay, he used his his priest and he used his prophets for that. Right now, Nathan is David's spiritual counselor. David had other counselors, but not spiritual counselors. Um, just let's say this. He had other advisors. Okay, and we're going to continue to read about that. And for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, I advise you to go through my podcast and listen to episode one, two, three, so that you can catch up with what we are talking about today. Okay. With what led us here. Um, verse nine, then Abishia, David's nephew or Abishai, e either one, the son of Zeruah said to the king, why should this dead dog talking about, and that means despicable person curse my Lord, the king. Let me go over and take off his head. Now, this uh, what I'm going to read next is an indication of David's heart. This is why God chose him as king. He's not perfect. He we already read in episode three about David's sins. And a lot of these things that's going to happen to David moving forward is because of that sin he committed with Bathsheba laying down with Uriah 
the Hittite's wife and impregnated her. So one of the uh, punishments is God did not allow that child that they conceived to live. He didn't. And so some of the things that's going to continue to happen to David is a result of that sin. That was a horrible sin that David uh, committed it in, in the front of the Lord. He never consulted with the Lord before he slept with that married woman. He, uh, but when Nathan, God sent Nathan up in David's face to tell him, you are the man that I am talking about when, when Nathan gave a parable so that David could relate to what Nathan was saying. But David immediately repented. That's the difference between David and other evil kings. He repented because he want to do right in the sight of the Lord. You got to remember David. Okay, right now he was in his 50s. But when he first became king, he was 30. David had to learn along the way. And David wrote the book of Psalms that hundreds of millions of people use each day to inspire themselves. So uh, let's continue at verse 10. But the king said, what business is this of yours? He is answering one of his military men or one of his bodyguards who asked, did he want him to go and cut the man head off? But the king said, what business is this of yours? O sons of Zeruah. If Shimei is cursing because the Lord said to him, curse David. Now the Lord ain't talking to uh, Shimei. And I said Shimei, but a Shimei. Um, but David, this is David talking. Okay. So David said, because the Lord said to him, curse David, then who should say, why have you done so? Verse 11, then David said to Abishai and to all his servants, look, my son Absalom, who came from my own body, is seeking my life. How much more reason now does this Benjamite have to curse me? Let him alone and let him curse for, for it could be that the Lord has told him to do it. Now, so, and this is just David talking. So you have to know God is not speaking here. So when, cause some, some people are using this, these scriptures to say, well, yeah, God told that man to curse David. No, he didn't. You won't, you won't find one documentation that God is speaking through someone who is venting and cursing the king that God anointed to be king over Israel, Jerusalem and Judah. Okay. Verse 12, perhaps the Lord will look on the wrong done to me by Shem Shemai. If he is acting on his own and in that case, perhaps the Lord will this day return good to me in place of his cursing. Verse 13. So David and his men went on the road and Shimei went along on the hillside close beside David and cursed as he went and threw stones and dust at him. Shimei was crazy. That's what he was. He was from the house of Saul that and uh, King Saul that David succeeded. And, um, you got to remember God removed Saul. God, uh, Saul was not a man of God, never had a relationship with God and did wrong in the sight of God and did wrong t uh, to the people. He was not a just King. And that is how presidents and Kings are removed when they are not just and doesn't do right by the people. God makes sure they are removed. Okay. Verse uh, 13 again. So David and his men went on the road and Shimei went along on the side on the hillside close beside David and cursed as he went and threw stones and dust at him. He was cutting up he did like a crazed man on the side of the road, cursing David out. Uh, verse 14, the king and all the people who were with him arrived at the Jordan river weary. And he refreshed himself there. 
Verse 15. Then Absalom, who was David's son, and all the people, the men of Israel, entered Jerusalem and Ahithophel with him. Now, Ahithophel used to be an advisor to David, but he, what he did was, um, now he's following David's son, uh, Absalom. Now, David's son wants to be king of Israel. He already made himself and the people anointed him to be king of Hebron with David's blessing. But uh, Absalom really is not a bad person. And, and it, but he turned on his father because his father did not avenge David's daughter, which is Absalom's sister's rape. She was raped by David's other son, Amnon. And to this day, I don't understand why David did not hold his son accountable. I don't understand that he was the Bible documents that he was furious. He was angered by it, but he didn't hold his son accountable. David was not a good father. He was not a great father. He had a lot of baggage on his shoulders. But one thing that David never did that we need to learn from David, he never turned his back on God. And when God held him accountable by uh, uh, sending his prophets to tell David when he did wrong, David repented immediately and said, I have sinned before the Lord. That's what we need to do when we know we do wrong. I, Lord, I have sinned before you. That's what we need to do. So let's continue. We are pressing for time, but let's continue. Now it happened when uh, Hishai, the archite, David's friend, came to Absalom. Hishai said to him, long live the king, long live the king. Absalom said to Hishai, is this your loyalty to your friend? Why did you not go with your friend? Verse 18, Hushai said to Absalom, no, for whomever the Lord and, and this people and all the men of Israel have chosen as king, I will be his and I will remain with him. Now, at this point, if you uh, didn't follow the episode four, Israel had turned their backs on David and started following his son Absalom. The majority, the majority of Israel. OK, uh, verse 19, besides whom should I serve? Should I not serve in the presence of David's son as I have served in your father's presence? So I shall serve in your presence. Verse 20. Then Absalom said to Ahithophel, give me your advice. What should we do? Now, Ahithophel was known to give great advice to King David. So now King David's son is asking him, what should he do in regards to how to attack his father and his army? Now, I want you to listen to this advice. Verse 21, Ahithophel said to Absalom, go into your father's concubines, whom he has left behind to take care of the house. Then all Israel will hear that you have made yourself odious to your father. Then the hands of all who are with you will be strengthened by your boldness and audacity. Verse 22. So, so they pitched a tent for Absalom on the roof of the king's palace and Absalom went into his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. Now, if you can remember, we read in second Samuel 12, 11 and 12, that is part of the punishment that God said that was going to happen to King David. And he said it was going to be someone close to him. That's his son, Absalom. Okay. Verse 23. So a lot of these things that's getting ready to continue to happen to David has to do with his sin. When he sinned against God for sleeping with Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah, 
and then had Uriah killed so that he could marry Bathsheba. So David didn't get away with that sin here. He is still experiencing the punishment right now. Verse 23, the advice of Ahithophel, which he gave in those days, was as if a man had consulted the word of God. That is how all of Ahithophel's counsel was regarded by both David and Absalom. Now, even though God said that this was going to happen, he didn't say who was going to do it. But Ahithophel still gave bad advice because, well, let's continue. Let's continue. Now, let's go into chapter 17. Verse one of second Samuel chapter 17. Then Ahithophel said to Absalom, please let me choose 12,000 men. Here's the worst advice he could have given 12,000 men. And I will set out and pursue David tonight. Verse two, I will strike while he is weary and exhausted and terrify him. And all of the people with him will flee in terror. Then I will attack the king alone. Now that's super bad advice. Because David is an expert warrior and have never lost a war. And he has the best soldiers that any of the kings had with him. So that was super bad advice. And his young son, who is in his 20s, can't beat his father at war. So verse 3, and I will bring all the people who follow David back to you. The return of everyone depends on the death of the man you are seeking, which is his father, King David. Then all the people will be at peace and accept you as king. So in other words, Ahithophel is telling Absalom, if I, I'm going to go and try and kill your father alone. Okay. And once your father is dead, then all of Israel will turn to you. Anger happen, Captain. Because if God put you in place, can't nobody remove you. Okay. And God put King David in place and established the throne for King David and his seed after him for, for an eternity. Okay. Verse four. So the plan pleased Absalom and all the elders of Israel. Yeah. That's what the plan pleased him for the moment. Verse five. Nevertheless, Absalom said, now call Hishai the archite also, and let us hear what he has to say. See, he's seeking advice from several people. Cause you can't just make a decision like that on your own. Now let's listen to the advice that Hushai gives Absalom. Verse six, when Hushai came to Absalom, Absalom said to him, Ahithophel has advised this plan of action. Should we do what he says? If not, you speak and explain why not. Verse seven. So Hushai said to Absalom, Ahithophel has not given good advice this time. Now Hushai is a friend of King David. Okay. Verse eight. And Hushai said, you know, your father and his men, that they are brave men and they are enraged and fierce like a bear deprived of her cubs in the field. Your father is a shrewd man of war, just like I said, and will not spend the night with the people knowing that you seek his life. Verse nine, behold, he has hidden himself even now in one of the, the ravines or in another place. And when some of your troops fall at the first attack, whoever hears about it will say there has been a defeat among the people who follow Absalom. Verse 10. And even the one who is brave, whose heart is like the heart of a lion, will completely lose heart and melt away. Meaning those men, those men are started running once David men and King David attacked them. Uh, and King David didn't want to hurt his son, by the way. 
uh, verse 10 again. And even the one who is brave, whose heart is like the, the heart of a lion will completely lose heart and melt away. For all Israel knows that your father is a mighty man and that those who are with him are brave men. Verse 11. But I advise that all the men of Israel be summoned to you from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south, like the sand that is by the sea in the in the abundance and that you personally go into battle. Verse 12. So shall we come upon David in one of the places where he can be found. And he will fall on him as the dew falls unseen and unheard on the ground and of him and of all the men who are with him. Not even one will be left. Verse 13. If he retreats into a city, then all Israel shall bring ropes to that city and we will drag it into the ravine until not even a pebble of it is found there. Verse 14. Then Absalom and all the men of Israel said, the advice of Hushai, the archite, is better than that of Ahithophel. For the Lord had ordained to thwart the good advice of Ahithophel so that the Lord could bring disaster upon Absalom. Now, because Ahishai, not a, uh, but Hishai, is a friend of King David. And he was not going to allow King David's son to get himself in a position with his little army and go be annihilated by his father and his father's army. Now, David can only protect his son so, so much. Okay. Because the men with him is, has vowed to protect the King, which is King David. And that's what they are going to do. Now I was rolling with Absalom up until he was trying to plan to kill his father, overthrow the government until he tried to do that. Okay, now let's continue. Verse 15. Then Hushai said to Zadok and Abiathar, the priest, this is the advice that Ahipophel gave to Absalom and the elders of Israel. And this is the advice that I have given. Verse 16. Now then send word quickly and tell David, do not spend the night at the fords. See, because um, Hushai was looking out for King David like he was supposed to. Verse 16 again, now then send word quickly and tell David, do not spend the night at the fords on the west side of the Jordan in the wilderness, but by all means cross over to the east side of the river or else the king and all the people with him will be destroyed if Ahithophel is allowed by Absalom to lead an attack. Verse 17, now Jonathan and Ahimaaz, the priest's son, were staying at Engrogel and a maidservant appearing to go for water would go and tell them what was happening. And they would go secretly and inform King David for they could not allow themselves to, to be seen coming into the city of Jerusalem. Verse 18, but a boy saw them and told Absalom. So the two of them left quickly and came to the house of a man in Berim who had a well in his courtyard and with his permission, they went down into it. Verse 19. And the woman of the house took a covering and spread it over the mouth of the well and scattered grain on it. So nothing was discovered. She helped hide them. Verse 20. Then Absalom's servants came to the woman at the house and asked, Where are Ahimaaz and Jonathan? And the woman said to them, They have crossed over the brook. When they searched and could not find them, they returned to Jerusalem. She's lying. Verse 21, after they left, Jonathan 
and Ahimaaz came up out of the well and went and informed King David and said to David, Arise and cross over the Jordan River quickly, for Ahithophel has advised an attack against you. Now David finding out one of his former advisors had advised Absalom, his son, how to attack him. Verse 22, Then David and all the people who were with him departed and crossed over the Jordan. By daybreak, not even one was left who had not crossed the Jordan. Verse 23, Now when Ahithophel saw that his advice had not been followed, he saddled his donkey and set out and went to his home, to his city. Then he put his household in order and hanged himself. So he died and was buried in the tomb of his father. Now, why did he, why did he commit suicide? Number one, David found out that he had crossed him. And so he couldn't go back to King David and Absalom didn't listen to him. So he had nowhere to go. Now, I don't agree with him killing himself, but that's what he chose to do. Verse 24, then David came to Mahanaim and Absalom crossed over the Jordan. He and all the men of Israel with him. Verse 25, Absalom put Amasa in command of the army instead of Joab. Now Joab was in uh, the commander over David's entire army. And trust me, Joab is not on Absalom's side. Joab was one of the ones who wanted Absalom dead for killing his brother Amnon after Abnon raped their sister. Now, Joab is going to be the one to kill Absalom. Okay, I want you to listen. Um, let me read 25 over again. Absalom put Amasa in command of the army instead of Joab. Now, Amasa was the son of a man named Ithra, the Israelite, who had married Abigail, the daughter of Nahash, the half-sister of David, and the sister of Jeruah, Joab's mother. They are all kinfolk. Verse 26, so Israel and Absalom camped in the land of Gilead. Verse 27, when David came to Mahanaim, Shobi, the son of Nahash from Rabbah of the Ammonites, and Mature, the son of Emil from Lodibar, and Brazilite, the Gileadite from Rajalim. Verse 28, brought beds, basins, pottery, wheat, barley, flour, roasted grain, broad beans, lentils, lentils, and other roasted grain. Verse 29, honey, cream, sheep, and cheese of the herd for David and the people who were with him to eat. For they said the people are hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. Chapter 18, verse 1, David numbered the men who were with him and set over them commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds. Verse 2, then David sent the army out, a third under the command of Joab. He had removed Joab from being head over his entire army. Okay. Uh, verse two again. Then David sent the army out a third under the command of Joab, a third under Abishai, the son of Zeruah, Joab's brother, and a third under the command of Ittai, the Gittite. And the king said to the men, I myself will certainly go out to fight with you. Verse three, but the men said, you should not go out to battle with us. For if in fact we, we retreat or if they have to run, they will not care about us. Even if half of us die, they will not care about us. 
but you are worth 10,000 of us. They are protecting the king. I understand that. So now it is better that you be ready to help us from the city of Mahanaim. Verse four, then the king said to them, I will do whatever seems best to you. So the king stood beside the gate of Mahanaim and all the army went out in groups of hundreds and of thousands. Verse five, I want you to listen to, to verse five very carefully. The king commanded Joab and Abishai and Ittai saying, deal gently with the young man Absalom for my sake. That's his son. Deal gently with the young man Absalom for my sake. In other words, don't kill Absalom. Just don't ki- bring him to me. Don't kill him. That's David's son. So I understand that. I get it. And all the men heard when the king gave orders to all the commanders about Absalom. What, this is what they're saying. Everybody heard it. Don't hurt Absalom. Be, deal gently with him. Verse six. So the men went out into the field against Israel. And the battle was fought in the forest of Ephraim. Verse seven, the men of Israel who supported Absalom were defeated there by the men of David. And a great slaughter took place there that day. 20,000 men. That is so sad. Families fighting. Verse eight, for the battle there was spread out over the surface of the entire countryside and the hazards of the forest devoured more than that day than did the sword. They killed more men. The hazards in that forest killed more men than they killed with the sword. So that means it was over 20,000 men who got killed just by the hazards in the forest. Verse nine. Now Absalom met the servants of David. He came face to face with them. Absalom was riding on his his mule and the mule went under the thick branches of a massive tree. And his head was caught in the thick branches of the tree and he was left hanging in midair between heaven and earth while the mule that had been under him kept going. He said, you can visualize that picture that he ride on a mule. They come under uh, a tree. His Absalom's hair, if you can remember, was very thick, long and beautiful, got caught on a branch and the mule kept going. So Absalom was hanging in midair. Verse 10, a certain man saw it and informed Joab saying, I saw Absalom hanging in a tree. Now remember the order that David gave his men here. Verse 11, Joab said to the man who informed him, you saw him. Why then did you not strike him there to the ground? I would have given you 10 pieces of silver and a belt. Verse 12, the man told Joab, even if I were to feel the weight of a thousand pieces of silver in my hands, I would not put out my hand against the king's son. For, for we all heard the king command you, Abishai and Ittai, saying, protect the young man Absalom for my sake. This man is reminding his boss, okay, his commander. That's not what King David told us to do. Verse 13, otherwise, if I had acted treacherously against his life, for nothing is hidden from the king, meaning King David going to find out anyway, you yourself would have taken sides against me. Even though once David found out and started chastising him, Joel would have been saying, well, he didn't get that from me. He did that on his own. So you have to watch who you sit under the council of here. Verse 14, Joel said, I will not waste time with you. 
So he took three spears in his hand and thrust them through the heart of Absalom while he was still alive and caught in the midst of the tree. Joab was wrong for that. Verse 15, and 10 young men, Joab's armor bearers, surrounded and struck Absalom and killed him. They followed Joab. Uh-huh. That's what they did. They did what Joab told them to do. Verse 16. Then Joab blew the trumpet to signal the end of the combat. And the men returned from pursuing Israel for Joab held them back. Verse 17. They took down the body of Absalom and threw him into a deep pit in the forest and set and set up a huge mound of stones over him. Then all Israel fled, everyone to his own town, because Israel was with Joab. So, you know, you kill the leader, everybody scatter. Okay. Verse 18. Now, Absalom in his lifetime had taken and set up for himself a memorial pillar, which is in the king's valley. For he said, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. He named the memorial pillar after himself. And to, to this day, it is called Absalom's monument. Now, I don't know to this day, when they say to this day, this was, you know, five, 6,000 years ago. Okay. Verse 19. Then Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok said, let me run and bring the king news that the Lord has vindicated him by rescuing him from the power of his enemies. Now, is it me or did we not read what David told them? So why would they think that would be good news to David, that his son was killed and he asked them not to kill his son? All they had to do was grab him. They had the opportunity, grab him and bring him back to his father. That's all he had to do. Uh, or that's all they had to do because it was more than Joab. They saw Joab. They could have prevented Joab from killing Absalom. They chose not to do it. Verse 20, but Joab told him, you are not the man to carry news to King David today, but you shall carry news another day. On this day, you shall carry no news because the king's son is dead. Verse 21, then Joab said to the Cushite, Cushites are from Ethiopia. They are black people. They are from Ham's son, Cush. Okay. So they had black men in the Jewish army. Now, listen. On this day, you shall carry no news because the king's son is dead. Verse 21. Then Joab said to the Cushite, the Ethiopian, whenever they mention another tribe, it's because they want you to know they are not from this Jewish tribe. Cushites are black. Okay, this been in the Bible since the Bible been written. You hear me? Black people. See, this uh, white community, the racist whites, have tried to whitewash this Bible, making it all white. That's not true. You can't change Hebrew. You can't change what's written. And why do you think they didn't want black people to learn how to read? Because they would have found out the truth. Do you know, and I'm going to digress a little bit here because the Holy Spirit is moving me. Do you know in some of these racist white churches that they um, created a Bible called the slave Bible? They removed all this from it. That's why some Muslims from the nation of Islam call the Bible a false, you know, a, a false Bible, false teachings and for the white man. It's not for the white man. The Bible is full of truth. We know how to read. I know how to read and with comprehension. So nobody can deceive me. That lie been dispelled years ago. So this is why they have other groups for, or other tribes listed here to let you know they are not from the tribe of Judah. 
They are not from the tribe of Israel and they are not from uh, any other of these Jewish tribes. They are from another tribe. Cushites are black people. Ethiopia is Cush or Cush is Ethiopia. Cush is Ham's son. Okay. Cush is Ham's son. So all of the Cushites are black. So did you ever hear that in uh, when David was fighting that he had black uh, men in his army? Did you ever hear? Well, here it go right here. If you've never heard it before, you are hearing it now from learning Bible truth. Okay. Verse 22. Then Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, said again to Joab, but whatever happens, please let me also run after the Cushite. He wanted to go and tell David too what happened. Joab said, why should you run, my son, seeing you will have no messenger's reward for going because you have only bad news. That ain't no good news telling David that his son is dead when David specifically gave an order not to harm him. Okay, verse 23. But whatever happens, let me run. So Joab said to him, run. Then Ahimaaz ran by the way of the plain of the Jordan River and outran the Cushite because the Cushite took a longer route. Verse 24. Now David was sitting between the two gates and the lookout went up to the roof of the gate by the wall. And when he raised his eyes and looked, he saw a man running alone. Verse 25. The lookout called down and, and told the king. The king said, if he is alone, he has good news to tell. And he came nearer and nearer. Now, the good news David was expecting is that they defeated the army, but his son was still living. OK, verse 26. Then the lookout saw another man running and he called to the gatekeeper and said, look, another man running alone. The king said, excuse me, he also is bringing good news. Verse 27. The lookout said, I think the man in front runs like Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok. The king said he is a good man and is coming with good news. No, he wasn't King David. No, he wasn't. Verse 28. And Ahimaaz called out and said to the king, all is well. And he bowed before the king with his face to the ground and said, blessed be the Lord, your God, who has handed over the men who lifted up their hands to fight against my Lord, the king. Verse 29. The king asked. Is the young man Absalom safe? Ahimaaz answered, when Joab sent the king's servant and your servant, I saw a great turmoil, but I do not know what it, what it is about. See, he was like, he didn't want to tell King David that his son was dead. Verse 30, the king told him, step aside, stand here. And he stepped aside and stood still. Verse 31, behold, the Cushite, the Ethiopian arrived. And said, now this black man is the one who came and told him the truth. Uh, verse 31 again, behold, the Cushite, the Ethiopian arrived and said, let my Lord, the king receive good news for the Lord has vindicated you today by rescuing you from the hand or the power of all those who stood against you. Verse 32, the king asked the Cushite, is the young man Absalom, my son, safe? The Cushite replied. May the enemies of my Lord, the king and all those who rise against you to do evil be dead like that young man is. The Cushite told him the truth. Verse 33, the king was deeply moved and went to the upper room over the gate and wept in sorrow. And this is what he said as he walked. 
oh, my son Absalom. And this is written in Psalms when you read about David saying, oh, my son Absalom, this is what he's talking about. Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, how I wish that I had died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Now, David knew he was not the best father in the world. He never got a chance to make amends with his son. He never got a chance. I don't know what he was doing where he couldn't raise his kids. We just, you know, started hearing about him when they were, you know, in, in the early 20s. But he was not a good father. He was a man of God. He never talked to God about his children. You know, I, I want to be the best father, but he mourned for his son. And I completely understand. And Joab should have been killed. But this is the heart of David. Okay. Now this is chapter 19, verse one. It was told to Joab, behold, the king is weeping and mourning for Absalom. Verse two. Now this is how evil Joab was. You got to watch who you have in your cabinet here. You got to watch who you have in your office. Verse two. So the victory on that day was turned into mourning for all the people, for the people heard it and said on that day, the king grieves for his son. There was nothing wrong with him grieving for, for the death of his son. Verse three. The people stole into the city of Mahanaim that day as people who are humiliated and ashamed steal away when they retreat in battle. Verse four. But the king covered his face and cried out with a loud voice. Oh, my son, Absalom. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. I can just feel it. I'm about to cry now. <laughs> oh, poor David. Verse five. Then Joab came into the house to the king and said, today you have put all your servants to shame who this day have saved your life and the lives of your sons and your daughters and the lives of your wives and concubines. Verse six. For you love those who hate you. And hate those who love you for you have shown today that commanders and servants are nothing to you. Now he just venting because this is not true. This is not true. David had a heart for everybody. David only killed people that were trying to kill him, but they were bad people. This was his son. Joab is getting, you know what? Joab should have been fired that day. That's what he, cause he was inciting the people to be against David. Let me read verse six again. For you love those who hate you and hate those who love you. For you have shown today that commanders and servants are nothing to you. That's not true. But how can you can compare your staff with your child? Okay. For today, I know that if Absalom had lived and all the rest of us have had died today, then you will be pleased. That's not true. That is not true. So you got to remember, God ain't speaking through him. That is Joab's commander of a third of his army. He had already not Joab, David's commander of a third of his army. He had already removed him from being over the entire army and rightfully so he should have removed Joab altogether. Verse seven. So now stand up, go out and speak kindly and encouragingly to your servants. For I swear by the Lord that if you do not go out, not a man will stay with you tonight. And this will be worse for you than all the evil that has come upon you from your youth until now. Now, all of these things that, that are happening to David right now is a result of his sin against the Lord when he slept with Bathsheba and killed her husband so that he can marry her. Okay. This, all of this is, is, is a continuation of his punishment. Okay. So David didn't get away with that sin. Okay. And neither do you and neither do me. OK, so now is the time for you to reflect on things that are happening to you. Do you have any unrepented sin going on in your life?
where you giving the devil a foothold to come in and wreak havoc. Okay. Now, verse eight, I don't want to stay on that too long because I know some of y'all getting mad. Uh, verse eight, then the king stood and sat at the gate of Mahanaim. And they told all the people, the king is sitting at the gate and all the people came before the king. But Israel, Absalom's troops, had fled every man to his tent because they their heart was still with Absalom. All, verse nine, all the people were quarreling throughout the tribes of Israel, saying the king rescued us from the hands of our enemies and he saved us from the hands of the Philistines. Yes, he did. But now he has fled out of the land from Absalom. Verse 10, and Absalom, whom we anointed over us, has died in battle. So now why are you leaders doing nothing about bringing back the king? He's talking about King David for them to anoint King David to, to continue to be their king because his son Absalom is dead. So now what? Verse 11, then King David sent word to Zadok and to Abiathar the priest saying, say to the elders of Judah, why are you the last to bring the king back to his house? Talking about himself in Jerusalem, since the word of all Israel has come to the king and to his house. Now, I just talked about that. David asked his friends, the priests, to begin the movement to invite him back to his throne. Apparently, he did not want to, you know, he didn't want to come to Jerusalem without the public support before he start ruling again. You know, I, that's how the kind of man David was. He wasn't trying to kill everybody to put himself back in on the throne, even though he know God never removed him. David was still fair. He had a heart for the people. Why would you want to rule over people who don't want you there? That's what David is saying. Now, let's go to verse 12. You are my brothers, relatives, relations. You are my bone and my flesh. Why then are you the last to bring back the king? Verse 13. Say to Amasa, the commander of Absalom's troops, are you not my bone and my flesh? May God do to, do so to me and more also if you will not be commander of my army from now on in place of Joab because Joab got to go. Joab killed Absalom, his son. Verse 14. In this way, he changed the hearts of all the men of Judah as one man. So they sent word to the king, return you and all your servants. They welcomed David back. Verse 15. So David returned and came to, to the Jordan and supporters from Judah came to Gilgal to meet the king to escort him across the Jordan. Verse 16. Then Shimei, the son of Gerah, a Benjamite of Bahurim, hurried and came down with the men from the tribe of, of Judah to meet King David. Verse 17, and a thousand men from the tribe of Benjamin with him and Ziba, the servant of the house of Saul and his 15 sons and 20 servants with him rushed down to the Jordan, uh, to the Jordan before the king. Verse 18, then they repeatedly crossed the ford to bring over the king's household and to do what pleased him. And Shemai, the son of Gerah, fell down before the king as he was about to cross the Jordan. Verse 19, and said to the king, let not my Lord consider me guilty, nor remember what your servant did wrong on the day my Lord the king left Jerusalem so that the king would take it to heart. What he is, I want you to listen to this. Verse 20, 
for your servant knows that I have sinned. Therefore, behold, I have come today, the first of all the house of Joseph, to come down to meet my lord, the king. But Abishai, the son of Zeruah, said, Should not Shemai be put to death for this, because he cursed the Lord's anointed? Uh, now, this was the man who was cursing David out <laughs> on the road, cursing David and his men. But this is David's heart. Okay, David knew that man didn't know what he was talking about. Verse 22. So David said, what business is this of yours, you sons of Zeruah, that you should be an adversary to me today? Should anyone be put to death in Israel today? For do I not know that today I am king over Israel? David said, look, I know I'm still king over Israel. And uh, but who are you to say somebody should be put to death today? Who are you to say that? Verse 23, therefore, the king said to Shemai, you shall not be put to death. That's the king's heart. You hear me? And so the king gave him his promise. And you can read that in first king two, um, chapter two, verse 44 through 46. Then Mephibosheth, the grandson of Saul came down to meet the king, but he had not cared for his feet. That was uh, Jonathan's Saul's son, Jonathan's son, who was uh, crippled. He was a special needs person. Um, let's read 24 again. Then Mephibosheth, the grandson of Saul came down to meet the king, but he had not cared for his feet, nor trimmed his mustache, nor washed his clothes from the day the king left until the day he returned in peace and safety. Verse 25. And when he came to Jerusalem to meet the king, the king said to him, why did you not go with me, Mephibosheth? Verse 26. Now Mephibosheth is not lying. Okay. In what he's going to tell David, the reason why he didn't go with him. God, remember, he was crippled. He said, my Lord, the king, my servant, Ziba betrayed me. For I said, saddle a donkey for me so that I may ride on it and go with the king. For your servant is lame, but he took the donkeys and left without me. Second Samuel 16, one through four. Yes. Verse 27. Further. He has slandered your servant to my Lord, the king. He lied to David <laughs> and, and, and just said Mephibosheth just didn't come. But my Lord, the king is like the angel of God. So do what is good in your eyes. He said, do whatever you want to me based on the information you have. That's what he's saying. Verse 28, for where for were not all of my father's household. Nothing but dead men before my Lord, the king. Yet you set your servant among those who ate at your own table. So what right do I still have to cry out anymore to the king for help? Verse 29, the king said to him, why speak any more of your affairs? I have said you and Ziba shall divide the land. Now, this is how fair David is. He didn't know who was telling the truth. So he said, I'm just going to divide the land between the two. He had already given Mephibosheth the entire land that was previously owned by his grandfather, Saul, his father, Jonathan's father, Jonathan died with Saul in war. And he had promised, uh, Jonathan way back when they were, you know, young and Saul started chasing David to kill him when he found out that God chose David to be king over him. So he, they had made a pact that, when David became king, not if, when he became king, he would take care of Jonathan's family, his kids, his wife, 
and that he would allow Jonathan to be in his army. Jonathan and David were bromancers, baby. They loved one another. And the Bible says Jonathan loved David like he would love a woman. And because of that statement, they had people saying David and Jonathan were gay. No, they weren't. Don't you ever curse the Lord like that. So that's how fair David is. He told Ziba, when Ziba lied to him and said Mephibosheth just didn't come, that he would give him the land. So now Mephibosheth is telling David the truth. No, this is what happened. I, I, I asked him to saddle up a donkey for me and he didn't. He just left. So David said, you know what, in 29, why speak any more of your affairs? I have said you and Ziba shall divide the land. Okay, verse 30. Mephibosheth said to the king, let him even take it all. Since my Lord, the king has returned to his own house in safety and peace. And what Mephibosheth is saying, I was just concerned about you, not the land. So you can let Ziba have it all. But verse 31. Now, Barzillai, the Gileadite, came down from Rajalim. And oh, these words are challenging. um, And went on to the Jordan with the king to escort him over the Jordan. Verse 32, Barzillai was a very old man, 80 years old, and he had provided the king with food while he stayed at Mahanaim, for he was a very great and wealthy man. Verse 33, the king said to Barzillai, cross over with me and I will provide for you in Jerusalem with me. Verse 34, but Barzillai said to the king, how much longer have I, have I to live? that I should go up with the king to Jerusalem. Verse 35, I am this day 80 years old. Can I be useful to advise you to, to discern between good and bad? Can your servant taste what I eat or drink? Can I still hear the voices of singing men and women? Why then should your servant be an added burden to my Lord, the king? David wasn't concerned about that. Verse 36, your servant would merely cross over the Jordan with the king. Why should the king compensate me with this reward? Verse 37, please let your servant return so that I may die in my own city and be buried by the grave of my father and mother. But here is your servant, Shimon, my son. Let him cross over with my Lord, the king, and do for him what seems good to you. And that's also documented in 1 Kings 2, 7. Verse 38, the king answered, Shimon shall cross over with me, and I will do for him what seems good to you. And whatever you asked of me, I will do for you. Verse 39, so all the people crossed over to Jordan. When the king had crossed over, he kissed Barzillai and blessed him. And he returned to his place. Verse 40. Then the king went on to Gilgal. And Shehem uh, went on with him. And all the people of Judah and also half the people of Israel accompanied the king. Verse 41. I can tell you this. You were uh, safer in David's arms. And all the men of Israel came to the king and said to him, Why have our brothers, meaning their relatives, the men from the tribe of Judah, stolen you away and brought the king and his household and all David's men with him over the Jordan instead of waiting for us to arrive. Verse 42, then all the men of Judah answered the men of Israel because the king is a close relative to us. So why then are you angry about this matter? Have we eaten at all at the king's expense 
or has anything been taken for us? Verse 43. Then the men of Israel answered the men of Judah. We have 10 tribes shares in the king and we have more claim on David than you. Now here they fighting over David. They all kinfolk. Why then did you treat us with contempt and ignore us by rushing ahead? Were we not the first to speak of bringing back our king? But the words of the men of Judah were harsher than those of the men of Israel. Now we are getting ready to read chapter 20, which will be the last chapter of episode four. Verse one, there happened to be there a worthless and wicked man named Sheba, the son of Berkri, a Benjamite. He blew a trumpet to call Israel to revolt and said, we have no portion in David and no inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to his tent, O Israel. Now, Jesse is David's father. Verse two. So all the men of Israel deserted David and followed Sheba, the son of Berkri. But the men of Judah stayed faithfully with the king from the Jordan to Jerusalem. Verse three. Then David came to his house at Jerusalem and the king took the ten women his concubines, whom he had left to take care of the house and placed them under God and provided for them, but did not go into them, meaning he didn't have sex with them anymore because his son Absalom had slept with them in open in front of all Israel. Um, that's why he did this for those of you who want to know. So they were confined and lived as widows until the day of their, of their death, but he took care of them. Okay. Um, verse four. Now the king said to Amasa, or Amasa, the commander of his army, summon the fighting, the fighting men of Judah to me within three days and be present here yourself. Verse five. So Amasa went to summon the fighting men of Judah, but he delayed longer than the time which David had set for him. Verse six. And David said to Abishai, his nephew, now Sheba, the son of Berkri, will do us more harm than Absalom did. Take your Lord's servants and persuade, persuade him so that he does not find fortified cities for himself and escape from our sight. Now, the reason David said he would do us more harm than Absalom did, because Absalom really didn't do any harm, meaning he will cause people to turn against David, because that's what Absalom was able to do. Because um, remember, he was playing judge and... Uh, Everyone that came to him seeking justice for things that were uh, done wrong to them. And Absalom provided the justice. So that is what um, King David is talking about. He would do more harm to us than Absalom did. Verse six. And David said to Abishai, his nephew, uh, I'm reading this again. Now Sheba, the son of uh, Berkri, will do us more harm than Absalom did. Take your Lord's servants and pursue the pursue him. So that he does not find fortified cities for himself and escape from our sight. Verse 7. So Joab's men went after him along with David's bodyguards, the, Ch the Cherethites and the Pelethites and all the warriors. They went out from Jerusalem to pursue Sheba, the son of Berkri. Uh, when, verse 8. When they were at the great stone in Gibeon. Amasa came to meet them. Now Joab was wearing his military uniform and over it, he had a belt with a sheathed sword strapped around his hips. And as he went forward, it fell out. 
Verse 9, Joab said to Amasa, It is going well with you, my brother. And with his right hand, Joab took hold of Amasa by the beard as if to kiss him in greeting. Joab was nothing nice. Verse 10, but Amasa, who had replaced Joab as David's commander, was off guard and not attentive to the sword in Joab's hand. He wasn't paying attention. So Joab struck Amasa in the, in the abdomen with the sword, spilling his intestines to the ground. Without another blow, Amasa died. He died with that one blow. Then Joab and Abishai, his brother, pursued Sheba, the son of Berkri. Now, Joab had no reason whatsoever to kill Amasa. He, he had no reason to do that other than jealousy that David had placed him over the entire army. Unbelievable. Verse 11. Now one of Joab's young men stood by him and said, whoever favors Joab and is for David, let him follow Joab. Verse 12. But Amasa was wallowing in his blood in the middle of the highway. And when the man saw that all the people who came by stopped to look. He moved Amasa from the highway into the field and threw a garment over him when he saw that everyone who came, came by Amasa stopped. Now Amasa and Joab were supposed to be on the same team. You can't trust everybody. You cannot trust everybody on your team. I'm telling you. Verse 13, when the body of Amasa was removed from the highway, everyone followed after Joab to pursue Sheba, the son of Berkri. Verse 14, now Joab went through all the tribes of Israel to Abel, even Beth Makkah, and all the Burites, and they assembled and also went after Sheba. Verse 15, and the army of Joab came and besieged Sheba in Abel Beth Makkah, or Makkah, and they built up an assault ramp against the city, and it stood against the outer, outer rampart. And all the people who were with Joab were wreaking destruction to make the wall fall. Verse 16, then a wise woman. Now I want y'all to, to, to listen to this carefully. Oh, my Lord. This has to do with why we, we should have all joined together to remove Trump from office. Okay. Uh, here goes some scripture to support what I have been saying. Listen, verse 16, then a wise woman cried out from the city. Hear, hear. Tell Joab, come here so that I may speak to you. Verse 17. So when he approached her, the woman asked, are you Joab? He answered, I am. Then she said to him, listen to the words of your maidservant. He answered, I am listening. Verse 18. 18. Then she said, in the past, people used to say they will certainly ask advice at Abel. And so they settled the dispute. Okay. Listen. Verse 19. I am one of the peaceable and faithful in Israel. You are seeking to destroy a city and a mother in Israel. Why would you swallow up, devour the inheritance of the Lord? Verse 20, Joab answered, far be it, far be it from me that I would swallow up or destroy. He's talking about the land of Israel. That is not true. Verse 21, that is not true. But a man of the hill country of Ephraim, Sheba, the son of Bichri by name or Berkri or Bichri, however you want to say it, you can see the name. Sheba, the son of Bichri by name, 
has let has lifted up his hand in rebellion against King David. Only hand over him or only hand him over. And I will leave the city. And the woman said to Joab, behold, his head shall be thrown to you over the wall. Now, this is what I want to make clear. You do not allow an entire city, in our case in America, an entire country to fall for one man. You do not. Everyone in America should have united to have Trump removed. But instead, we have a few that's in rebellion, just like we have a few that's still supporting Saul and King Saul is dead and that's still supporting Absalom that's in rebellion against King David. You do not destroy an entire nation to protect one man. One man ain't worth it. No, one man is not worth it. Verse 22. Then the woman in her wisdom went to all the people. It took a woman to come down and talk with her wisdom, went to all the people to inform them of the agreement. And they beheaded Sheba, the son of Bichri, and threw his head down to Joab. So he blew the trumpet, signaling the end of the attack. And they dispersed from the city, every man to his own tent. And Joab returned to Jerusalem to David, the king. And that's also in Ecclesiastes 9, 13, 16. Verse 23, now Joab was commander over the entire army of Israel again. Look how he, he dwindled his way back in to being over uh, David's entire army. Now, Benaiah, the son of Jehodiah, was commander over the Shirathites and the, the Pelethites, the king's bodyguards. Verse 24, Adoram was over the forced labor. Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahuliad or Ahulad, was recorder. He he kept all the recordings and documentations of what was going on within the government. Uh, 25, Shiva was the scribe. She was the secretary. And Zadok and Abiathar were priests. Verse 26, also Ira, the Jerahite, was a priest to David. That is the end of, of chapter 20. And the end of episode four, we have one episode left. We will complete that episode next Saturday. We will cover chapters 21, 22, 23, and 24. 24 is long, so I have to prepare myself to do that. And after this series, we will go back to the New Testament and I will share with you the letter that Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote to Rome. Now, with that said, Saints, continue to pray for peace, pray for unity, pray for your friends that you found out are, are racist and white supremacists and you had no clue un until Trump emboldened them to come out with their hate. Pray for their salvation. Pray uh, for your family members that they are protected. Continue to pray that this pandemic reach an end. It may not be this year, but it is coming. Uh, continue to wear your mask if you are out in public. Practice social distancing, which is six to eight feet away. Protect yourself and protect others. Please walk in love. Be the light that Jesus Christ called us to be. And we need to make sure we go back to the commandment that Jesus ordered all of us to do before he ascended on high, and that is go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Until next time, continue to walk with Jesus.
you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this particular episode, please send your questions or comments to talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com or you can send me a direct message through my podcast by clicking on the message button located on the homepage of all my podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public to submit your remarks. I should note that you must be a follower of my show to submit a voice message. So don't forget to click the follow button. You can also support my podcast financially by accessing the homepage on my podcast and clicking on the support this podcast button. Whatever you choose to donate will be greatly appreciated and used to help further the gospel. I am praying for God to give you a return on your donation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14, the Apostle Paul says, In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. English Standard Version. Please sow your seed in good ground with a cheerful heart because God loves a cheerful giver. Now until next time, my sisters and brothers, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. And remember, continue to walk with Jesus. I thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.